Good morning. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Riverview Church. Let's stand up and sing some carols to our Lord. Peace to 
How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned and spoke your name into
Amen. Merry Christmas. So good to have you here this morning. We're glad you're here. We're going to dismiss our kids. Now, junior high and senior high meeting together upstairs in the upstairs room. But kids, you are dismissed. Junior high and senior high upstairs room. Before you see it, turn around and greet somebody. Wish them a Merry Christmas. So good to have you here. Thanks for being here this morning. Not only is it Christmas season, but uh, yesterday was the shortest day in daylight terms of the year. We're in uh, winter now. Anybody know, by the way, a little trivia for you? Anybody know how much sunlight we had on the shortest day of the year here in San Diego? Close, close. He said 10 hours. Nine hours and 50 minutes and 50 seconds. You missed it just by a little bit. See me afterwards, you'll get your prize. I'm not sure what it is. Probably be a bulletin, uh, my sermon notes or something like that. So uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Hey, if you're seeing the seat close to the center, I'll take out your friendship register, please. Uh, If you're a first-time visitor, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for coming and joining us this Christmas season. We'd love for you to fill out that little friendship register, fill out the sheet, tear it off, put it on the left-hand side of that pad, and send it on down. We'd love for everybody to sign it. Just let us know you're here. Thank you for sharing your prayer request with us. We love praying for you. We really do. We count it a great privilege to pray for you. By the way, we are also doing our end-of-the-year Christmas gift challenge. We're challenging the church uh, to give above and beyond your normal giving to reach a goal of $75,000. If you'd like to do that, uh, that would just give us an amazing financial bedrock on which to do our ministry. And thank you for supporting the work here. If you're writing a check, just put end of the year on the notation. That's going to the end of the year gift. Our goal is $75,000 by January 1st. And so uh, if you can help out with that, that'd be great. You can also give on the Riverview Church app. Open the app and give through that app. That's another way to give. There's an option there for the end of the year gift. Thank you for your giving to the work here at Riverview. I'm going to ask Jeremiah, our pastor of media and tech and young families, to come up and give us the rest of our announcements. Well, thank you, Mel. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? You awake? You ready to worship the Lord today? Who's excited about Christmas? Amen. All right. My name is Jeremiah, as Mel knows, and everyone knows, you know. Uh, we got some things coming up for you guys, all right? We have our first off, our Christmas Eve services this week, all right? It's the day before Christmas, as you know, 3 and 4.30 p.m. We ask, this is a wonderful time for you guys to invite your friends, your neighbors, your family, maybe people who necessarily wouldn't come to church. This is an amazing opportunity for them to experience the community here at Riverview, which I love so dearly. Um, and you guys as well. It's an amazing opportunity. And so we do ask that you guys... Uh, come a little early because it can get jam-packed in the parking lot. So we ask you to come a little early so we can start those services on time and that we can just um, go forward with that. Second thing we have is a wonderful opportunity for men. We do our Men's No Regrets Conference. All right. Who's been to one of these conferences? And you guys, look, look around. All right. Do you see some men here? This is a wonderful. Hey, Greg Mangus. Wonderful. 
This is a wonderful opportunity for men to come alongside each other and grow in their faith, to uh, connect with others, so to encourage one another. Let me slow it down a little bit. <clears throat> a lot of coffee this morning. Uh, but we've been doing this for the past three years, and it's truly a wonderful experience to get connected and to be empowered by not only um, they stream live some speakers uh, like Albert Tate and some others, and then as well we'll have four live speakers, like people in rooms that you can connect with and you can hear from to strengthen your marriage, your family, um, whatever it is that you need encouragement. That's the wonderful time to do that. And then we're really partnering with a military this year. Um, so if you may not be a man but want to sponsor someone going, um, we're sponsoring a military um, coming out. Go to the Men's No Regrets table outside. Connect with Greg, uh, Gary, or De uh, Dennis, and connect with these wonderful men to see how you can be involved in that way. Another thing, we have our Save the Date. We do our family seminars kicking off uh, January 5th. That's going to be downstairs during second service. It's going to be uh, myself and a, a man named Brady. He's a chaplain with the military. Um, and we're going to be leading you guys just to grow deeper with each other and God's word. I'm excited. Please join us for that. And then we have our Daniel plan, ladies. Like they say, New Year, New Me. All right, this is one way you could do that. Uh, you have the fitness, um, Daniel plan fitness, Thursday, January 16th. So keep that on your radar. We do have a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these events on our social media, so check that out. It's been a blessing serving you guys and seeing you guys up here. I love third service. You guys are awake, you're on fire, you're ready to worship the Lord, and it gets me pumped up. So you guys have a lovely rest of your service. Jeremiah, amen. All right, brother. Man, I get to work with him every day, isn't that something? As well as the other staff here at Riverview, they're amazing. I'm going to ask our rushers to come forward now as we worship the Lord with our giving. Thanks for giving. We are also um, going to pray for the Sedillos. They are the pastoring couple at uh, the church in Vista, Iglesio Camino Real. And it's a great church. We help support them. And so we're going to pray for them this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the uh, missionary-minded focus of this church, just to help other missions and other organizations that are spreading your good news. Thank you for the folks that are here that get behind that and really see the big picture of what uh, this church is all about. So, Lord, we love you. Pray for the Cedillos and their church. We pray that as they meet this morning, they would have a wonderful service, that many would come to know you through that ministry. Pray for our service this morning. God, may our hearts be prepared. Thank you for the privilege it is to give to your work and to see you change lives. We love you, Jesus. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What hope we hold in this starlit night? A king is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we see the light that leads to the hallowed manger. What fear we felt in the silent age for hundred years. Broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hollow with manger ground. Emmanuel, Emmanuel.
go home that's all we needed wow don't clap for that by the way don't clap don't clap I know what you're cutting out of the program it's me wow thank you worship team wow that was powerful oh okay I'm gonna pray and uh, talk to our Heavenly Father Father thank you you sent your son we were lost helpless hopeless you made a way. You're a holy God, and we are in such rebellion against you. But you made a way for us to be right, to be holy, to take on the righteousness of your Son. Lord, we're so grateful. We have access to you. You never leave us, never forsake us, and you've changed us. So we commit this time to you, Lord. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, today I want to talk about this. Life lessons from the shepherds. You know, you, when you get to Christmas, it's always a little hard because you go through the same passages over and over again. But I, I wanted to twist it a little bit and look at the shepherds and how they responded and make application to our lives. What are life lessons we can learn from these shepherds? Here's the bottom line of our talk today. God surprisingly announces the birth of the long-awaited Messiah. You know, we're kind of used to the story now, aren't we? It's become commonplace for us to know that the announcement came to shepherds. But think about it. Before it happened, 
If you were going to announce the coming of the long-awaited Messiah that had been prophesied about for 4,000 years, would you announce it to his shepherds? To a group of shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's surprising. It's shocking. But that's how God decided to do it. It's an amazing account of what really happened one night outside of the town of Bethlehem. God's encounter with these shepherds reminds us of some important and relevant life lessons for us. And I want to get into them. As we look at this event that really happened in a nation called Israel outside of Jerusalem in a little town called Bethlehem, which stands for House of Bread. And out of this town would come someone who would later say, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The most amazing life to ever walk on this planet. Even Newsweek, a number of years ago, asked the question, who has been the most impactful person on this planet? And they put his picture on the cover. I was so glad to see it. It was Jesus. In all of human history, the one life, they said, that stands unquestionably above the rest that has impacted this world more than any other has been Jesus Christ, the person we're talking about today. As Jesus was born in this little town of Bethlehem, just like the Bible says. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, there should be one nearby. I'm not going to read the beginning of the passage. We touched on that last week, how God caused Caesar Augustus to issue a decree that caused Joseph to take Mary down to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy made in Micah 5, verse 2. I'm going to pick it up at verse 8. Jesus is already born. He's laying in the manger in swaddling cloths. It says this in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Sounds like an exciting job, Amen. Sounds like, like a wonderful job. No, actually, you, as you know, being a shepherd is not something anyone aspires to do. Even back then in Israel, it was not a loved job. You're out with the sheep all night away from your family. Uh, and I can attest to that. I've asked many young people, high school students, junior hires, what do you want to be when you graduate from high school or college? I have never heard, I want to be a shepherd never heard that right no one aspires to be a shepherd it's a lowly job but God did it for a reason he did it to remind us if this message is for shepherds it's for everyone and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear normal reaction any one of us would have reacted the same way as the night was lit up by the glory of God and the angel said to them Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know the words good news is the word gospel. When you say I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, you're doing exactly what the angels were doing. They're sharing good news. And in a world that has so much bad news, amen, a ton of bad news. It's so wonderful that we serve a God who longs to give us good news. That's what the angels say. Hey, we're here to give you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This message is going to spread around the world. It's a universal message. It's for everyone. 
It says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, reminding the shepherds of the prophecy made by Micah 5.2, in the city of Bethlehem, city of David, right? A Savior. That's Jesus' role, his job. He came to save us. You might say, well, I don't need a Savior. I'm fine all by myself. Yes, you do. The Bible's really clear. All of us have fallen short of God's standard. All of us have rebelled against God. And our sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. We'd be destroyed in a second. The Bible says God dwells in unapproachable light. What an awesome God. Unapproachable light. And he made a way for us to be in relationship with him by sending the very best that he had, his only son, a savior who is Christ. That's the Greek word for the Jewish word, Messiah, the anointed one. Then the title gets even better than that. A savior who is Christ, the what? The Lord. Wait a minute, and this little baby in Bethlehem wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, is God in flesh? The story at every turn gets more and more amazing. That Jesus came as a little baby in Bethlehem. And this will be a sign for you, the angel said. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude. How many? We don't know. But it must have filled the sky of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's wait until we get off work next weekend and go see the baby. Is that what they said? Let's wait till we get a vacation. Then we can go over to Bethlehem and see this baby. No, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here's the first lesson we want to learn today that we can take from this account of the shepherds. It's this. God moments. And this is an amazing God moment, right? The highlight of the shepherd's life. They encountered these angels with the message of a baby born in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the Lord. These God moments in your life can occur in the most unexpected ways. You know, these God moments, they were at work. They were watching sheep. No one expected God to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds out watching their flock at night. But it was at work where they had this amazing God moment that changed their lives, the greatest moment of their lives when they are old shepherds, they're still probably talking about it. That night outside of Bethlehem, the night that was greater than any other moment in their life. And, and God continues to work in our lives in unexpected ways. I think of some of the other Bible moments when people encountered God. I think of Moses, right? Moses kind of liked the shepherds. He was out tending his flock when he saw a bush that was burning but it wasn't being consumed by the fire and he approached the bush and a voice came out of the bush that said Moses take off your shoes the ground you're standing on is holy ground Moses had an encounter that would change his life I think of Samuel the prophet he was sleeping when God gave 
Samuel a vision and spoke to Samuel that he would be a great prophet in the nation of Israel. I think of Joseph who had a dream of his 11 brothers bowing down to him and his mother and father bowing down to him. It was a God moment in the life of of Joseph as he had this dream. Joshua was preparing for battle when he had his God moment. And an angel stood before him and said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Belshazzar, our king, had his moment at a party. Saw a handwriting on the wall that said, Belshazzar, you have been weighed and found wanting. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. That was his God moment at a party. Disciples, while fishing, were called by Jesus to leave their career and not just be fishers of fish, but fishers of people. And their lives were changed by that encounter with Jesus. Followers of Christ were walking along the road, just walking along, had their moment with the resurrected Christ and realized who they were speaking to after he disappeared. I think of Paul on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. He was traveling on a road When out of heaven, Jesus spoke to him, knocked him to the ground, blinded by a light from heaven that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That was his moment when he did a 180, turned his life around. It happens in all different ways. I want to ask you today, do you see your walk with Christ as an ongoing day-by-day relationship that at any moment... God can convict you of something in your life. God can speak into your heart. I've told you before, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but God has convicted me of things in my life that it was as clear as if it was the audible voice of God. This strong conviction in your heart that something needs to change, that that something in your life isn't right before the Lord. Or someone who walks up to you and says something to you and it mirrors what God has been convicting you of in your life and you think to yourself, what a coincidence. But then remember that there are no coincidences with God. God is always at work in our lives. He's intimately involved in our lives. And do you have that kind of expectant heart? Are you aware of that possibility? When you see a sunset and see the beauty of it, does your heart turn to God and say, this is a God moment for me? As I am just in awe of this creator God who creates the beauty that we see all around us. A favorite line to my kids when we see an amazing sunset is, way to go, God. You are awesome. When you see that beautiful sunset and know that God puts on that show virtually every day that declares his glory. Do you live your life realizing those God moments can happen at any time? Do you have an expectant heart? I love what it says in Psalm 5.3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. What a great way to start the day. Talking to the Lord. I don't know when you have your quiet time or when you talk to God, when you pray. Some people do it at night. Some people in the morning. But this psalm is in the morning. I'm starting my day off with the Lord. I, I, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. And then I love how he ends this verse. And wait what? Expectantly. I'm expecting you, God, to do something. I'm laying my requests before you, and I expect to see you at work in my life. I expect to encounter you every day. Like we say here at Riverview, and you've probably heard it other places, the Christian faith is not a religion in that you have to jump through all these hoops to try to be good enough to get to God, right? That's kind of the summary of religion. It's not a religion, it's a what? 
relationship. Do you sense that? Do you go through the day knowing that God is with you, that Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you? You're in this awesome relationship with the living God. He's with you. And so often we forget it. We go through the day saying, oh, man, I got a rough day today. I got to go to work. Oh, there's tension at work. Oh, man, I just, I just hope I can navigate this tension. And then I've got these challenging things in my life that I got to face today. Oh, man, that's going to be hard. And then I have this meeting and I have to present. Oh, man, I hope I do well. Instead of doing that, you go through the day with this kind of response. God, it's a new day. I have certain challenges at work. God, help me to navigate these challenges in a way that honor you. And God, there are other challenges in my life. God, give me the wisdom to navigate those challenges and do them in a way that glorifies you. And I have a meeting today, God, helping to communicate my thoughts clearly and, and, and in a way that is received by those who hear it. See, that's a relationship. It's a wonderful step of maturity when you realize there is this ongoing presence that you have of God in your life each and every day. And God can speak to you at the most unusual times the shepherds were at work in the fields at night when God gave this amazing message. Do you have an expectant heart? See, that's the catalyst for this uh, amazing life moment, life change for you. It's to have an expectant heart. Did you come today to Riverview saying, hey, I'm meeting with God this morning. I want to walk into this worship time this morning with an expectant heart. I'm meeting with God. I expect to connect with him today along with my brothers and sisters who are worshiping here with me this heart of expectation to see God at work in your life he's not just this little compartment over here and I open up that door every Sunday and Jesus is a part of my life but when I leave Riverview man that door shuts and I have all these other things that I got to do in my life if you know what following Jesus is all about you know that Jesus cannot accept this little compartment of your life approach to Christianity he has to be the one who controls every compartment of your life because his wisdom is perfect our wisdom is foolishness God's wisdom is perfect I've never heard anyone say to me my life is ruined because I followed the word of God never heard that God's wisdom is awesome and every component, every compartment of our life is ruled and directed by this amazing relationship, Jesus Christ. It's a priority for every believer. Why do we miss these moments, though? Why do we miss them? God is at work every day in our lives. But why do we leave them out? Well, I thought of a few reasons. One is this. We're just not tuned into it. We wrongly dismiss something that happens in our life. That guy said something to me that I've been thinking about all day. And it seems like a God thing, but it just must be a coincidence. No, God's at work in so many mysterious ways. Or we just miss it entirely. We see the sunset and not even think about God. It doesn't even enter into our mind. Here's another reason why we miss these amazing God moments. It's because we're so busy. And we think we're so productive by being so busy. We're doing this thing and doing that thing and going off to this meeting, going off to that party. And we never have time to really connect with God. See, Satan loves to do that, right? He loves to get us so busy that we don't connect with the God that we love. I remember even at seminary, when I was in seminary in Chicago, we were studying God's word in every class. I mean, we're learning Hebrew and Greek from the Bible. We're studying books of the Bible. We're studying theology. Every class is about God. And it became one of the driest seasons in my life, spiritually. 
And it, it just became so dry for me. Why? Because the Bible became a textbook for me. And I remember just kind of making my way into a chapel, just being moping into the chapel and, and, and not really wanting to be there. But all of a sudden, the speaker's words touched my heart. And he said something I'll never forget because it's exactly what I needed to hear. He said this in his talk. When was the last time you read the Bible for the sheer enjoyment of it? And I knew it had been a while. Just opening up the Word of God, not because I had an assignment or a passage I need to exegete, but because I wanted to. I wanted to get into the Word of God and let it feed me. And I saw the value of it and the amazing wisdom of God and how it could lead me in everything that I do. We're often just so busy. Here's another reason. We minimize God, the minimization of God and His involvement in my life. Back in Chicago, uh, I led a men's Bible study and we had about 12 guys from the neighborhood. I just invited a whole bunch of guys to come. Some of these guys didn't even have Bibles. And they came to our house on Monday night and we started to study the Word of God and all these guys came to faith in Christ over time. One of the guys was named Barry and he came to me one night and said, Mel, I'm just struggling with why, why would I ever want to bother God with my little requests? He's got wars in the Middle East, famines in Africa. There's all these things happening. Well, I just, I feel like I, I can't pray about my cold. And I said, Barry, that would be a concern if God were like you or me. If God was easily, easily overloaded. But our God is not like you or me. Our God is infinite in his wisdom, infinite in his power and knowledge. Our God is not a small God. We don't want to serve a God like that. God longs for you to bring your concerns, whatever they are, to him and lay them at his feet. Just like you long for your kids to come to you as a dad and share their concerns with you. See, so often we make God a small God. We believe he's not involved in our lives, that he's distant somehow. He's not like that. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He loves you. If you were the only person on the planet, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the implications of the word are Jesus would have died for you alone. See, we minimize God and his involvement in our lives. We wrongly focus on our temporal agenda and miss the greater picture, the joy of being part of something so much bigger than ourselves. The joy of building God's kingdom. And so often we miss it. We've turned off that functioning in our spiritual life. The antenna have been broken somehow. And we don't see God at work all around us. My wife works for American Airlines and she was in London this week. And she was scheduled to land on Friday. I was doing a wedding for the Didiers who attend here at Riverview. Their son Alex was getting married on Friday afternoon. Barbara's going to land about two, drive down from LAX, uh, and join us at the wedding. That morning, I got a text from her when I woke up and basically said, Mel, you won't believe what just happened. We took off from London. And as we were taking off, one of the flight attendants in the back heard a loud bang and all of the hydraulics went out on the plane. We had no control over the flaps. So the pilots uh, notified all the flight attendants. We kind of kept it a secret, but we did an emergency turnaround to try to get back to London. In fact, Barbara would later ask these pilots who'd flown many, many years, has this ever happened to you in all your years of flying? They said, no, this was a first. No control via the flaps. 
They freed up the longest runway at London Heathrow, put fire trucks along both sides of the runway as this plane came in with no control on the flaps. I knew, as you can tell, she was okay because she was texting me after it was over. So I knew she was okay. But you can imagine, no functioning flaps. They came in 80 miles an hour faster than they normally do because if you come in too slow without flap control, the pilot said the plane has a tendency to flip over and if it does, you're done. You're over. And how many of you here are all for flying an airplane when everything's working, amen? Everyone loves that, right? When everything's working, planes are amazing. But when the hydraulics go out, it can be a very intense situation. And as they're landing, by the way, they have a medical emergency of someone having a peanut allergy as they're landing, tied with everything else that went on. But we're all for everything working, right? And God longs for us to see exactly the kind of God that he is, that he's intimately involved in your life, and God moments can come at any time. Here's a second lesson. It's this. God moments in your life make all other moments pale in comparison. All other moments. You can imagine if someone asked the shepherds, what was the greatest moment of your life? Oh, man. That night we saw a multitude of angels. The sky light up with the glory of God. We saw this baby, the Messiah in Bethlehem, born just like the prophets predicted. Greatest moment of our lives. See, if you understand what coming to Jesus is all about, you know that the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that was the greatest moment of your life. Nothing else comes close. And like the shepherds were told by the angels, this was good news of great joy. If you understand Jesus and what he's done for you in your life. It brings you this joy that the world cannot take away. There are times of sorrow. There are times of tears. But joy is different than happiness. Joy is this deep-seated conviction that I'm connected with God, that he is in control, that he will never leave me or forsake me. No one can pluck me out of the Father's hands, Jesus said. We're connected with God. I define true joy as this, the confidence and security that your future is filled with hope. And your heart has to break for people of this world. Like the Bible says, people who have no hope. They have no hope. You have hope. It's backed up by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that changed the world. A future that's filled with hope because of your faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to pay the penalty for the wrongs you have committed. In Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. We have this amazing future because of him. One person who experienced the reality of coming to Christ and that being the greatest moment of his life was the Apostle Paul. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to persecute the church. He had been to every Jewish seminar possible. He'd been trained by the greatest Jewish teachers of the day. He had every Jewish lapel pin, every medal he could possibly get. But on the way to Damascus, he met Jesus and he wrote about it later. He said this in Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. All those lapel pins, all the standing I had in the Jewish culture, 
Man, that was all to me garbage. Look what he says. The loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Have you come to that God moment knowing that the greatest moment of your life was when you turned your life over to Jesus Christ. You got to place your faith and trust in Him. You you developed this amazing relationship with Him that's maybe just starting for some of you, but growing as God is working in your life each and every day. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, being in relationship with Him, and then seeing Him to begin to work in your life. The catalyst for that happening is this gain an eternal perspective you know we get so caught up in the temporal have a perspective of eternity believe me my friends we will all at one day come to the end of our lives are you ready for that day it's going to happen we don't know when it will happen but have an eternal perspective know that the greatest things you will accomplish will be those things that you do for the lord because they last for eternity but there are some things that will steal your joy right they'll take that away I'm going to give you some joy stealers. Joy stealer number one, wrong beliefs. If you have a wrong belief about God and how to please Him, that's going to take away your joy. You're going to feel the frustration of not having connected with the God like the Word of God tells us to. The God of this universe. If you have wrong beliefs about that, then it's going to steal your joy. Here's another joy stealer, greed. Hey, Mel, I'm only concerned about me, myself, and I. Those are the three most important people in my life. No one, no one else comes close to me and my needs. If that's your perspective, you might not verbalize it, but that in your heart is your perspective, your joy will be stolen. You will live a frustrating life. Here's another joy stealer, discontentment, going through life saying, God, hey, I, I didn't get this, God, and I wanted that, but you didn't give it to me, and God, you're failing me here. Being discontent with life instead of approaching life saying, God, every day is a gift from you. My relationship with you is more than I ever deserve. It's only by your amazing grace and your mercy. And my heart is overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness. Please don't go through one more day allowing Satan in this world to steal your joy by your discontentment. Here's another joy stealer, misplaced focus, focusing on the wrong things, not focusing on a godly agenda. Another joy stealer is a rebellious heart. You know there's something wrong in your life. You know you've neglected God. You know there are things that are happening in your life, but you allow it to continue. And God feels so far off. I want to tell you with all the conviction I can today, it is not God that has moved away from you. In your rebellious heart, you have slowly turned and moved away from Him. He longs for you to come back. He'll run to you and embrace you when you start moving back toward Him. But that means taking care of the rebelliousness in your heart. The message is so clear. Good news of great joy. It couldn't be any clearer. Communication can be hard sometimes, amen? Uh, you know, my wife, uh, she does amazing things every day. She, we have six kids. She flies. She works around the house. She does Bible studies. She leads uh, women's things here at the church. She is incredibly busy. And we have a dog uh, by the name of Dakota that's been having issues. He's maybe having some sort of allergic reaction. He's gnawing on his legs. And, and so we're, we're constantly trying to figure out what's going on. And we had gone to a vet, and he'd been looked at a few times, but it's still happening. And it was happening again where the dog was just itching and gnawing on his leg. And my wife said, you know, I'm going to call the vet again. 
And the vet had given us some prescriptions for fleas that obviously you don't want your dog to have that because that could be contributing to the problem. So she calls the, she, she takes out her phone and does a search for the Aviara Clinic and pulls up all the list of things, presses Aviara Clinic and makes the call. Lady answers and she says, you know, I'm Bar- Barbara Svensson here, I, I'm just concerned because I think the medication that you prescribed is causing... Uh, this allergic reaction could be causing an allergic reaction. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're concerned about that, and I think we should look into it. And then she said, well, um, what's the name of, uh, you know, the, the, this person have the allergic reaction? Uh, it's Dakota. Um, Dakota. What's the last name? Dakota Svensson. Okay. And is Dakota here now? And Barbara's like, no, he's with us. And she's thinking to herself, why would I leave my dog at the clinic? I, no, he's here with us now. Well, um, let's see what, what, what maybe the head nurse will have to say about this. Oh, can you hold on for a minute? And as my wife is waiting for the head nurse to take the phone, she glances down at her phone and realizes that when she called up all these lists of Aviara places, instead of hitting the Aviara vet, she hit the Aviara nursing home and was speaking <laughs> to the lady at the nursing home. And this nursing home lady was just like, I don't get it. I don't think, I don't know if anybody was getting a prescription for fleas here, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just glad she didn't ask about, hey, is he gnawing his leg now? <laughs> Sometimes communication can go awry, right? <laughs> it happens. But God is so clear here. The good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Don't let this world or anything on this list steal that joy from you. I I love the next principle as well. Principle number three. God moments in your life will always challenge us to respond. What do the shepherds do? When they hear about it, they say, hey, let's go over next week and take care of this and look at this baby. No, that's not what happened. In Luke chapter two, they leave with haste. They leave with haste. They don't waste any time. What they heard caused a response in their lives. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, and he was told that they would have a child by the name of John who would be the forerunner to the coming of the Messiah. This priest, while he's in the temple, says this as he's there. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I love the angel's response. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Gabriel in essence saying, Zechariah, you're a priest and you don't get it? I serve the living God. Whatever he says will happen. Whatever he says will happen. James 1.25, whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, They'll be blessed in what they do. When you encounter God, when you have one of those God moments, believe me, God's always looking for a response. When you see a sunset and you're amazed by its beauty, you can't help but say, God, you're awesome. Wow, what a God. When God convicts you of something in your life that you know is not right, he wants a response, an immediate response. Yeah, God, you're right. I need to change. See, those God moments always demand some sort of response. When you're reading the Word of God and you're convicted by it, to take the Word of God and read it and change accordingly. See, the catalyst for being obedient in that area is to take immediate action. Don't wait another day. Don't wait till next week. 
If you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible is so clear. Today is that day. And here's some great transforming convictions that will encourage you to take those steps. Conviction number one, God is sovereign. He's in control. Therefore, I have joy in my circumstances. His plans never fail. Amen, church? Amen. That was pretty lame. His plans never fail. Amen, church? They never fail. Ultimately, you're going to step into the presence of God and say, God, this is more than I ever imagined or thought it would be. You're an awesome God. God is sovereign. Matthew one twenty reminds us of that. Just with the birth of Christ, this took place to fulfill what the prophets had spoken about. He's going to make it happen. He's an amazing God. Here's another thing. God is faithful. Therefore, I can have joy concerning my future. His promises are never broken. Believe me, his promises are never, ever broken. 2 Corinthians 1 says this. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him we can utter our amen, our so be it. God, we know it's going to happen. Because no one else like Jesus, no one else died and rose again. All of the promises you've made, God, will one day come true because of Jesus. They all find their yes in Christ. Here's the fourth life lesson. It's this. God moments in your life should produce a can't keep it to myself need to share. I love what the shepherds are doing when they're walking to see Jesus. And all who heard it, they didn't just tell Mary and Joseph. They're telling everybody, you wouldn't believe what we just saw. A multitude of angels telling us about the birth of the Messiah. All who heard it, they couldn't keep it to themselves. Man, if there's one thing Christmas is amazing for, it's the one time of year where Jesus and his memory is all around us, even though it seems to be less and less every year. But it's still this amazing time of remembering the birth of the greatest life ever lived. It's still the greatest time of the year to say to someone, hey, why don't you come with me to the Christmas Eve service at our church? Love to have you join us. The number one reason, we've said it here many times, that people do not go to church is because they are never what? Never invited, never asked. I was reading an article that said this. In the average Bible-believing church, it takes the average attender of that church, in a Bible-believing church, seven years to invite one person to church. One person every seven years. That number, that fact, that Statistic should sicken us. One person every seven years. See, when the shepherds experienced God and what happened that night, they couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to tell people. And there's something that happens in your life, in your heart, when you tell others about it. There's something really confirming about telling others about Jesus. They can't keep it to themselves. They have to tell others. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 tells us about this amazing God that we serve. Jesus, who was God in heaven, emptied himself. The word kenosis is there, laid aside his glory, became nothing for us, a servant, humbled himself even more, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross for us. That's the wonderful news that we share. We cannot keep it to ourselves. So the catalyst for you in that life-changing strategy is this. Stoke an enthusiastically generous heart. You love telling people about Jesus. Yes, there will be some that won't receive it, many that won't receive it. There'll be some that may label you, but your job, and you know it, is just to throw out the seed. 
Throw out the seed. And some will take root and people will be changed. Here's number five and we close with this. God moments in your life should naturally lead to a walk of praising God. The shepherds leave that event praising God and worshiping Him. Do you have that same lifestyle of praise and worship because of the God that you've encountered? Sometimes we begin to doubt and I want to challenge you to be people to rise up and be people of faith. When you exercise faith over doubt, doubt wants you to see the obstacles ahead of you, the fear and not being able to share with others about Christ or to walk a godly life. But faith sees the way to do that. Faith says, you know, God, you're going to help me every step of the way. Doubt fears the defeat. Faith believes in the victory. Believes God for the victory. Doubt dreads to take a move, but faith steps out of the boat and believes God to do far beyond what we can imagine or think. Doubt demands, who believes this stuff? And people of faith like us hold our heads high and boldly proclaim, I do, we do, with everything that is within me. So I'd like for you to worship, develop a worshipful spirit and pray that that horn stops horn beeping in the parking lot. <laughs> Nurture a worshipful spirit as you, as you leave this place. God lovingly calls us to a life-changing faith in his son and lovingly and compassionately challenges us to live a life of worship. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. And as your heads are bowed, my prayer would be you take these five life lessons from this encounter that the angels had with the shepherds and that you would apply them to your life. That you would allow the power of God to fill you and to hold your head high as a believer in Christ and know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's changed you. He's given you a hope where there was no hope. And one day you will see him face to face. Lord, we love you. You're awesome. During this Christmas season, may we always keep you as the hero of Christmas, put you in first place in our lives. I'm so thankful for what you did for us on the cross. You gave everything you had for us. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing. So we have elders and home group leaders up front who would love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Please greet one another and live this Christmas all for him. God bless you. See you on the patio. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Hey, brother, how you doing, man? Oh, sorry.